I, rem- I remembered vaguely that you were from somewhere in, in the Midwest. I, I, yeah. I had forgotten yes. it was Columbus. And like in the past three years, Columbus has just become, become Comics Town USA. Yeah, it's, it's, it kind of has, and I'm glad. Uh, it, it really started with uh, Milton Kniff yeah. went to Ohio State, and he donated all his papers back in like... I forget, like 1987 or something like that? Or no, 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 77. So that's far. That goes far, far back. Oh, yeah. He donated all his um, all his paperwork, his uh, all, a lot of his original art, a bunch of his original uh, his paintbrushes. Really mm. cool. But Ohio State, at that time, had no way to do it, didn't know what yeah. to do with it. And Lucy Caswell, who was a librarian there at the time, uh, working in the journalism building, uh, it, kind of came to her and she said all right i'll t- i'll see what i can do about this she was interested in cartoons and she immediately began to expand the collection uh getting you know original pogos by walt kelly and windsor mckay's and i went to school there in like 82 so i discovered her and she was just down in like two rooms down on the ground floor of the j building and she had one assistant and I immediately hit it off with her, and I would just go down there as often <laughs> as I could just to look at original art. Yeah. And uh, back then it was a much more relaxed, casual, more casual that, In atmosphere. a way that makes it kind of cooler, right? That it's this, like, weird little thing that nobody else knows about, this placement yeah. that you could go and do. Yeah, no, and I would just go down there, and uh, there'd be boxes of original art to look at, and I would help, you know, kind of... I, would help, I wouldn't really help. I wouldn't yeah. much help. But you know, th- they knew I was really interested in cartoons. I was doing cartoons in the student newspaper at the time and uh, I hit off with them and I would go down sometimes and read uh, Popeye, the original uh, E.C. Seeger yeah. she had collections of it um, that I had never seen before at that time and I just couldn't have been happier I think this was, I can't remember if it was the Fantagraphics collections or not but I had never seen the original runs of Popeye and they were so damn funny and they really yeah. did influence yeah. uh, the Thimble, the Thimble Theater. Thimble stuff. Theater really got into the yeah. DNA of Bone, especially like with Grandma Ben and and some of the humor, some of the timing. Was what was really the good. weird, the like the weird little? Uh, I can't remember the name of the weird little like animal. The little oh, the Jeep. Yeah, the Jeep. The Jeep. Yeah. Eugene the Jeep. Yeah, that was yeah that was some was far outside, especially like the pre Popeye stuff was like really, yeah. really out there. Yeah, it was. It was. Well, all comics back then were. Yeah. You, in the 20s and even in the teens they were kind of nuts they were sort of yeah they, they, I would almost I would I would almost use the word psychedelic for some of that I would certainly totally like Windsor McKay well they were definitely yeah. surreal yeah they were surreal a lot of it yeah you know what's funny Peter about Moreski does a lot of the good uh, what's that the guy that does the big giant oversized yeah, yeah. Sunday pages yeah. from the golden age he's got one that's just on those fantasy off the wall comics yeah. they're really good I was just thinking about the, the the Thimble Theater thing because you know I remember reading and, and I'm pretty sure this isn't the Fantagraphics collection, but you know that first comic where Popeye comes in and I think it's just like it might just be the final panel. He might just be like delivering the punchline. Yeah, and it's and it's so weird to go back and look at that and sort of try to figure out like why I why that became the rallying point of the comic. You know, like why did that character? Why, how did he become the centerpiece? Yeah, you could just tell though. At uh, I think that first one, they're going down to the docks to yeah. try to hire someone to to, to take them uh, to this island where they thought there was treasure, yeah. and uh, they find. 
Popeye on the docks. He's yeah. obviously a dock rat. Yeah, with a sailor outfit. He's and pretty scummy at first. He's really. He's actually is kind of a scummy, dirty yeah. old sailor yeah. on the docks. And they, they decide, well, let's hire him. And he, they go. They walk up and they go, are you, yeah. are you a sailor? And he just says, do you think I'm a cowboy? <laughs> that was it. That was and, that, and his character just dominated yeah. every strip he was in from then on. It's 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 interesting though because you know and and. I was talking about this a little bit. I had a, a Scott McCloud on on the show, and he he had a he had that book come out um, in the past year, and it was something you know I think it was something that like he had kind of had in the back of his head for a while, um, like since college, and that seems like a long time. But you're somebody <laughs> you really know you really know how to how to um, I, I guess sort of keep something on the back burner and you know really really. I guess pick up with it when the time's right. That's that's true. Well, part of that is it just really takes a lot of pre-production. Mm. You know, getting things ready, Sometimes doing like research, decades. Yeah. Well, well, with Bone, it, it definitely was. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I I, I, I kind of came up with the idea that is Bone around '82 or so, and by '91, yeah, is when I did the comic book. So that was about ten years of trial and error and. There's, there's to find more back. There's more backstory beyond that. Well, sure. Well, I made up the characters <laughs> when I was like five. Yeah. So the little world of Boneville that they came from, that yeah, I'd had that with yeah. me forever. But once I got serious, it was about a ten-year process of trial and error, trying to find the story, figure out where the characters are really going, and that kind of stuff. How how far do you how far have you gotten into something and just totally scrapped it because it just it wasn't working. Uh, I, I, that hasn't happened yet. That hasn't happened. A bone was my first thing. Okay, and I obviously didn't scrap that. I went so, the whole so I guess I guess I mean in terms of, of you know of, of that decade that you were working on, what what, what were you doing exactly in that time? Uh, well, I was at OSU mm-hmm. while I was doing it in the newspaper, yeah. and then I started with some f- buddies I met at at uh, university. I started up an animation studio because we used to like we would just for fun do animation, you yeah, know, almost like flip books and. But pretty soon we got books on how to do it. And we bought peg bars and light boxes. And just for a hobby, we yeah. were doing, you know, little 30-second quick gags uh, in animation. It was thrilling to see your drawings move when you would finally get it done. And we started up an animation studio, knew some people who could help us, you know, make contact and do animation for... I don't know White Castles or Wendy's or things huh. like that. And you were doing you were doing you're actually yeah. animating for commercials. Yeah, we started up a little animation company in 1986, yeah. uh, and we did. Yeah, we worked for Warner Cable. Mm-hmm. We would just do regional ads, but eventually we got good enough that uh, every Hollywood studio, including Disney, that did hand drawn animation, had us do a little piece yeah. of, of it. You you must have felt at you know at that point that this is this is it like I found I found my thing this is what I'm going to do forever. Well, I definitely did not think you that. did not. Think I that. did not enjoy it at all. Oh, you did really? Well, I just was. You sounded so like up on it at first when you were describing. I was it. up on it at first, yeah. but I got really bored in doing other people's characters and doing commercials. Oh, okay. Yeah, and it just was completely unsatisfying. And to draw so many drawings. Yeah, you were literally hand drawing these things. Yeah, yeah, or with clay. Yeah, you know, we're doing uh, PSAs, you know, public service yeah. announcements yeah. for about how to conserve on your electric bill, and it, it just wasn't worth it. It was just so much work. And um, it was fun doing some of the Hollywood stuff. I mean, we worked on Bebe's Kids and a, b- 
bunch of uh, Rover Dangerfield. Yeah, you even yeah, yeah. That? I do. It was were, Rodney Dangerfield with a, like, as a, dog a dog with a tie. Exactly. <laughs> I do remember. Yeah. I remember Baby's Kids as well. Baby's Kids was probably my favorite thing yeah, that we worked that was on. A yeah. Weird. What a we- that was such a weird thing. That it was, was just a like very... such a self-contained <laughs> moment in culture where a thing like that could happen. Yeah, yeah. There was um, like, yeah, and then um, we. I left in '91 yeah. or '92. Started Bone right after. Yeah, just yeah. took off. So then I left the company, sold it to my partners, and they continued for years doing a lot of work for Disney. And but we, we were all hand drawn. So when hand drawn was over, that was kind of the end yeah. of the run, yeah. end of the road for for character builders. The name of our studio. Uh, you know, it. I, Holy cow! This is I can't believe you. <laughs> We're talking about Got this, this out on, of the, <laughs> on the podcast. It, it's funny. I, you yeah. know, I, uh, I always talk to people about sort of the monotony of, of drawing comics, but it must have almost felt like a, you know, a, a, like like you know, breath of fresh air when you went to doing that from from actually having to hand animate cartoons. There's a there's a lot of similarities. Yeah, because um, there's so much preparation that you have to go through mm. for a comic. And a lot of that is similar to what you go through to to an animation thing. You have to you have to do thumbnails. I mean, you just there's just so much prep work, and you want to get that all done before you get started. Because, and I've done this. I've gotten lost. I got lost a couple times during Bone. I got lost a couple times during Rassel. And it was just something I didn't think was that important. And in my storyline, I might have just had a real quick note like, you know, Bone will Bone will do this, and Bone will do X and Y will happen. What do you mean by lost? Well, I got there and I didn't. I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know. I had pieces of the story that needed to fit together, mm. and I wasn't sure yeah. where I could go. Let me think of an example. Um, uh, towards the end of Bone, they're in the they're in the kingdom of Athea, the the yeah. land that Grandma Ben and Thorne are kind of coming back to reclaim, and Phony. Uh, is looking for uh, the treasure. Nobody knows where the usurper of the town had hidden the treasure. Mm-hmm. So Phony's looking for it. And then somehow I got this these giant bees that had been in the early parts of the Bone story. I brought them back. Because I had one funny scene I could think of to do with them, yeah. uh, which I don't need to go into. But having brought the bees back in, I suddenly had these bees to deal with that were like following them around, and I didn't have any way out of the bee thing. And I really needed to get on to other things. Yeah. I was just, I was, this doesn't sound that hard, but I'll tell you what, when you've got, I can think of a few ways to get rid of bees, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I couldn't find a way to like, them make sense in the story. Yeah. And in Rassel at the end, I got him locked into the bunker. It's a big, like, uh, Mexican standoff situation. Yeah. And it's really hard to explain. Because I knew how he was going to get out, but what I didn't quite Make keep track of is how many little story things had to happen in that Mexican standoff. Yeah, how many things had to resolve? Many things had to resolve in order to boom yeah. go off into Act Three, the end. Right, and it was I had to, I had to write it over and over and mm. over again because I'd get them all to all these story thre- threads to fit, and I'd be okay, great, now I can do this, and then I go, oh wait, I forgot about Miles, you know, and he's. Miles has to be woven back in there, and it would be very easy to have this very fat, bloated scene. But you got it's got to be fast; it's mm-hmm. got to be natural, and keep the pacing good. And um, I just had to do it over and over and over. It took me months to get through that 
mistake. So these, so so nothing that you're working on is really in the end that tightly scripted. It is tightly scripted, but yeah, you can't you can't foresee everything. Yeah, you know, just I thought that was going to be I thought that'd be easy. I guess it, I guess it's maybe tightly plotted, not tightly scripted. Is that yes? That's correct. Okay, it's outlined. Yeah, and I know I kind of know where. Uh, big turning points in the story will be I know where the characters are going to have to make these big gut-wrenching decisions but after that yeah. in between those moments I try to let it go because uh, I find if I don't if I can be a little it's more, it's more spontaneous yeah. and I think that the readers will feel spontaneous the characters will be you know walking up on each moment in a more spontaneous way and be a surprise for them and I think it'll just be a better read that way but yeah, but sometimes it, it causes me yeah. blood and tears and tearing out my hair <laughs> and, this is, and this is a theme that I've noticed with, with uh, you know a few of the things that you've done where it seems like you <laughs> you, you, you have just this like this picture in your head you have this just abstract like in, so, in some cases like a literal image that you're working toward, right? I mean, yes. certainly that was the case with Bone, and I think that you know the the the, the story that you've been working on as, as a webcomic is something that you know the way I heard you describe it was you just like this sort of this image of this guy yeah. walking around during the Ice Age. Yeah, a lot of uh, sometimes some, there'll be a joke. I've like that is a joke, and I could take you know a year's worth of comics aiming towards that. Yeah, but it'll be worth it. Like a literal, a literal punchline that you're a, working towards a punchline for a year. That I know it's going to be it's going to be worth it. Yeah, uh, but sometimes it's a visual image, like yeah. like you mentioned. And sometimes there's just like the, the there's last a call, there's the a, last panel of bone is the most specific example of that, right? Yeah. The last image in the comic. Yeah, I had I actually drew that out. Yeah. Uh, in like 1989, because I knew that was the last image. Yeah, and it was it is. It's almost identical to what it yeah. ended up being. That's 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 it's it's fun. I mean, it's almost like it's almost like professional deja vu, right? No, it was just it was just planned. Yeah, it was like when you make a movie, it's going to take you two years to make a movie. Sure, but you got the whole script has to be done before you start shooting. Right? Yeah. So, and even more tightly than what I'm talking about, but I'm just me. I don't have to have a bunch of other people. Yeah working on it. So. I, I guess I mean deja vu in the sense that, you know, when, when you're talking about deja vu, it's sort of, um, you know, you kind of like almost have this, I, like, I, you, this picture of where you are, like, you know, if like, you know, you've dreamt something and you see it in your life, you just don't know the path that's going to take I you do, there. Yes, that's true. I did not know when I was going to yeah. get to that drawing. Yeah. And I, it was weird. The feeling was very strange as I was coming up on it. Huh. It's like wow, I'm actually getting to it. There's how far out? How far out were you when you started to realize that? That particular one, I was. It, well, again, this is strange. At the end of Bone, uh, there was a point where I like this is the end. I'm in the last. Yeah, bit. And that was when they got to the city. Um, I, this is really inside baseball. But if, if that's, you're, if that's this what is we, boring, you can right. You've, you've heard the podcast before, right? This is right. This you is, can you can edit this out. But the, in my original outline. The three cousins, Grandma Ben and Thorne, were going to go. There was going to be these these horrible volcanic eruptions, these ghost circles. Uh-huh. They were going to force them to go down to Athea, where Grandma Ben and Thorne yeah. were. They were going to take back control of the city, and then the plan was for them to go all the way back up to the north part of the valley, where the early start, early parts of the story took place, yeah. where Grandma Ben's cabin was and all that. And there they would uh, have to face the final. Uh, 
locust with inside of Mim and all that. Kind you of just stuff. you wanted to, it to come full circle. Yeah, they were going to go down and they were yeah. going to go back. And there was a moment when I got them down there, when I went, "There's no reason to go back. <laughs> we're down here. That's it. Yeah, we're, this is the end of the story. Yeah, and that was very exciting because I was like, "Oh, oh, this is it. Yeah, and going back up is just that's just that's just why do that? Yeah. We've already been up. We've been through the journey." We're here, yeah. and they're surrounded, and the monsters are coming. I'm like, this is it. We're done. And I was very excited, and I thought it was just going to be zip right through it, but it went on for years. It was a, it was like two more books, and I thought we were on the last. Yeah, book, but you just don't know. You just don't know. But you were ready. You were kind of ready to be over, to be done with it at that point. I was very excited. Yeah, uh, I was exhausted, and yeah, I was ready to. I, I, I wasn't that I wanted to be done. Like mm. I, I was bored of it. I was very excited and exhausted, and I wanted to complete it. Yeah. I wanted to put that last book up on the shelf and take a deep breath yeah. and check it off the list. <laughs> and I'm assuming, like, knowing what I know about you, that, like, you, you had, a, like, other things that you wanted to work on. I mean, I, when, did, when did Razzle really enter the picture? Well, see, I finished Bone in 2004. In 2000, I have very clear memories of coming to uh, New York and I was mm-hmm. hanging out with Frank Miller and Paul Pope a lot at that time. Yeah. So whenever I was coming into town for whatever reason I'd always call them up and we would hang out. And I remember telling them about Rassel and I remember showing them early drawings of the character. I had the name Rassel, Romance at the Speed of Light, and the character had the big jet engines, mm-hmm. but he was a lot more cartoony in the yeah. early versions. I thought I was going to do like a manga style kind of thing like an Akira sort of yeah very yeah. much and, and his hair kind of maintained spiky, that yeah. the spiky giant yeah. manga hair kind of stayed but but then he became more and more realistic as uh, as I wrote the story yeah. so that was four years before um, I finished Bone I was working on ideas for the characters trying to decide what the genre was going to be what, what, what story am I telling I got very interested around that time in uh Watching Maltese Falcon and hmm. the Big Sleep while I was inking Bones, yeah. and I thought, and I got, and I, and I started. Well, I'm going to start. That's what I'm going to do. Rassel's going to be a yeah. noir story. It's yeah. going to, it's going to be some hard-boiled crime fiction mashup with science fiction. It's interesting that you approached Paul Pope and Frank Miller. I feel like that's like those are exactly the two people I, that you should have. You know what? Approached. I can't believe you just said that. And I've never thought about that before. <laughs> That I it was Sin City and THB is yeah, who I was talking to absolutely. about my my uh, yeah wow my Philip Marlowe sci-fi thing wow that's amazing your your, your Blade Runner <laughs> oh, yeah my Blade Runner dream team yeah um how you know and 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 I think I think if I if I I seem to remember you saying that um, you didn't think of Bone initially as necessarily being a, a kids book. You know, it's that's just worked out kind of nicely. Um, but after working on it for all that period, was did you want to make the transition? Was did you really just want to write something a little more adult? Oh yeah, no, no, no. I I've been asked that quite a bit. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I retract I the question. Then. No, 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 no. It's <laughs> I actually it's because of that. I I, yeah. I almost have an answer. Oh good. I've, been, I've oh, thought good. about it. Uh, but yeah, I didn't I didn't start out writing Bone as a children's book because. There just were no children in comic book shops yeah. in 1991. Yeah. Uh, but I, what I was doing was I was drawing the comic I wanted to read when I was nine. I was looking for this mm-hmm. comic. I wanted mm. p- 
Pogo or Uncle Scrooge or somebody yeah. to go to go on a eleven hundred page yeah. mega adventure like uh, in Moby Dick or the Iliad or the Odyssey, yeah. which I was reading those books, you know, in high school. I love those. Uh, so I when I I but I couldn't find one. Those those that did not exist. Yeah. I mean, so I just decided to do it one day, and I just I was. The story I I had it and it was just burning and I had to get it out of me. So so you so, so you knew that it would appeal to the nine year old self your nine year old self therefore yeah. it would probably appeal right, to other nine year olds. I, mean, I never wrote down thinking oh yeah. that'll be over the head of a nine year old because yeah. I wasn't really writing for a nine year old. I was writing for me and I was thirty you know a thirty <laughs> year old so I had to put stuff in there to keep myself interested you know and so a lot of the humor was a little more contemporary than yeah. was normal for those kinds of things. It's, it's in everything now. I mean, yeah. Every Disney movie has that same Now it's got to have something for the adults. And edgy. The, yeah. Yeah. But it was actually, it really caught people off guard uh, in yeah. the early 90s. And the fact that it was cartoony, I actually thought that would be the most natural thing mm-hmm. to do an Uncle Scrooge type. I had Carl Barks, yeah. Walt Kelly yeah. book for the cartoon heads out there. But apparently... Everybody, even my friends, they told me later, you know, oh, we really liked your book, but we we thought you were doomed. Yeah. Because cartoony doesn't sell. Yeah. And uh, I I didn't realize that. But unfortunately, I didn't realize that. Fortunately, I didn't realize that. Yeah. So I, I got away with it. <laughs> I wonder, I wonder, you know, and, th- and this is something that's been, been coming up recently. I mean, you know, congratulations for making it on that top ten list of, of, banned, <laughs> of banned books. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um I mean, is, is that, you know, and I'm wondering if that's if that's what it is, if, if it's people are still, even in 2015, having trouble wrapping the brain around the fact that a book can look cartoony and be slightly more adult in some senses. Is that, I, is, I think so. It's that sort of that dissonance of ideas that yeah. makes it so difficult. Well, it's, yeah, well, it's the, it's the idea of comics. Comics, you know, are... While we here, yeah. everyone in this building mostly are you know they're literate, they love books, and they've accepted that comics are reading. But I think most people in America, not in any mean way, but they just still assume that sure. they're just basically just junk yeah. books, you know, yeah. coloring books, not much yeah. more than coloring books. So uh, when we people are going to be upset that you just slagged coloring books, by the way. <laughs> Well, I'm sorry about Some, that. A lot of people in this building, I suspect. Right, right. <laughs> Crappy coloring books. Um, uh, but I don't remember what I was saying now. <laughs> uh, you, you, know, you were saying, I think, that, you know, that, that, that we've, we've been aware that comic books oh, are a little oh, right. deeper so, than that for a while. So behind the scenes, as far as the American public is concerned, we've, yeah. we've been making great strides. And I, I was part of a whole wave of cartoonists yeah. that wanted to do more with the medium. People yeah. like Dan... Klaus and yeah. Chris Ware and the Hernandez brothers and, Dave and, many, Sim and Dave yeah. Sim. so many many people were Terry Moore mm-hmm. were have been just working to to up the game right for ourselves as much as anybody and at some point publishers like Scholastic you know they they saw the value of it and when Scholastic starts taking comics into into the schools and then and thus into homes yeah. that changes the visibility yeah. factor by infinity you know compared to the what we were selling before in the comic book shops suddenly you know 
all these kids are bringing them home and they're being seen in a way that they just had not been seen before. And the medium itself, because it's this strange, very visual thing, this mess of words and pictures, it lends itself to being glimpsed and yeah. you know somebody can jump to a conclusion or something can be taken out of context in a way that they couldn't if they just looked over and saw a page of prose. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but it's also that you know it's a, the seduction of the innocent, right? The, the yeah. Frederick Wortham. It's it's the, um, the the way of like smuggling in messages to kids, yeah. right? Through through this th- this book that looks well, like it's for children. Well, I think that's what the people who yeah, object yeah, to yeah, it yeah, believe. Yeah, and I was not defending that viewpoint. No, 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 no. And, but I'm and I'm also saying I'm not doing. I, I am doing that in a way, but not <laughs> not smuggling in. Yeah secret dirty messages yeah. or what I'm doing is I'm just doing the same thing any author does I, I start from a, a personal moral point of view and I think every story has to have that and every character has to have a very truthful mm-hmm. moral center that he makes decisions on and not all yeah. of my characters are the same level on the good scale yeah you know? like a, a compass a moral compass yes. yeah like Phony Bone's moral compass is not too good <laughs> it's only redeemed by other factors he has like his his sense of loyalty to his cousins but all those those all those factors are consistent and true within those characters throughout the book and I I think kids can see those characters with those with their those characters personal moral compasses making decisions and I I, I think there are there is a moral point of view yeah. to a to a good story. Well, that's that, I mean, there's that's I'm trying to remember the three bullet points. One of them was violence, which like you know I I, I, I you know I guess I guess that you can sort of take that literally. But the the other two were um, politics, which I think is kind of what you're talking about. That's it's political viewpoint. Yeah, and that that, now, that why someone of, would object to a political viewpoint, I don't know. Yeah, or, or what the political viewpoint in Bone would be. Yeah. It's don't be greedy, <laughs> be loyal. I mean, we, I don't know. I think that the, that's I, a lot of what I've learned about this through this process. Yeah, is that it's. I think it says more about the the people making a sure. challenge than about the book. Yeah. Now, now when they say yeah, they see it's you know tobacco and alcohol. Yeah. It's true. Uh, it is a medieval story like the Lord of the Rings and there are people with tobacco and yeah. and beer, but it certainly doesn't take up a lot of real estate in the book and nobody gets drunk or anything like that. Yeah. So um, so some things I understand, other things I actually just don't understand. Well, the one that jumped at me was was racism. Yeah, right, yeah, I know. I I I've never met anyone who can even point yeah. to what it could possibly be. I'm sure someone saw something that actually struck them yeah. wrong, and maybe I just am not aware of it. Yeah. Uh, but I've never found anyone who's been ever able to figure out what what it was. So the bones are not white supremacists. Is that? Can we get you on the record saying that? Yes, you can. You can certainly do that. Oh. Is, is there a, is there a certain amount of pride that comes with making a list like that? Well, I. I in, at, yes, after a while. I, yeah. You just come to accept it because I really do think if – I'm going to sound like a broken record, but I really think you have to write about something. Mm-hmm. and There has to be a truthful core to the book. And if that kind of, uh, you know, 
writing with a moral position is going to get me on that list, then I will yeah. accept that as a yeah. badge of pride. Well, you, you, um, I know you cited uh, uh, Huck Finn as being a Huck Finn was a, is, is a hugely influential yeah. book. Now, I, I'm not crazy about the ending. It kind of falls apart once Tom Sawyer comes back in, but. He didn't. He didn't draw the last panel out. Yeah, like. he didn't have the last panel ready <laughs> ahead of time. Um, but that story, I mean, it's it. It rings. I can't believe you just criticized Huck, yeah. Huck Finn. <laughs> I mean, I mean, come on, Mark Twain. Yeah, get, get, get your shit together, together man. Um, the, but the but the rest of it just really rings a bell for me. Yeah. I mean, it starts off in that. Uh, a, a, a boy's adventure story. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's running That's away right. on a, and he's running away with with Jim, and yeah. he, they're on a raft and they're having an adventure and they're meeting, you know, these crazy characters that sound like they're characters in a Bob Dylan song. Yeah. Yeah. I love that book. There is a the, there's a moment that the whole book is leading to though, and you get to it, and that's that moment where Huck has to ask himself, you know, he has to decide, you know, well. well Jim is property. Everybody's told him that Jim is property, and yeah. he's and he's someone's property, not Huck's. And it, and it's and it's it goes a little bit beyond that because it's the um, it's the decision of well, I guess I'll go to hell. That is the moment. Yeah, that's oh, the did decision. I just spoil it? No, 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 that's it. Yeah, that's yeah. it. He decides. Well, the right thing to do is to turn him in. Yeah, because that's the right thing to do. Yeah. But if that's the right thing to do, and, 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 and I do the other thing, and I'm going to go to hell, well, yeah. then I'm going to go to hell. And that is, boom. Yeah. That is, that, is, that is writing from a moral point of view and having characters that are truthful and have journeys to make. And, and that's the best kind of thing there can be. And it's, and it's so, one of the most famous band books of all time. Yes. And, and I guess in that sense, I'm pleased yeah. to be on a list with that book. Kindred yeah. Spirits. What what is so so the um is the web series is the web series still ongoing? It is. Yeah. It is. I it's on momentary hiatus because okay. I'm resting my arm. Oh, carpal uh, tunnel. And I'm huh? Carpal tunnel. Or? Yes, I yeah. got I gave I got carpal tunnel in like around 2004 as just as I was finishing up Bone. I can't believe it took that long. Yeah, I can't either. <laughs> um, and yeah, yeah I, and I work between the animation and the eleven hundred page book that you did. Yeah, I ran out. I ran out of drawings. Yeah, I got my my luck ran out. Yeah, but I, um, I just I had to stop for almost a year. Then that I I signed on to do a Shazam book for DC. Yeah, because I, I still yeah. wasn't ready for Rassel, which I, I loved, by the way. I, thank you. Yeah. I I'd been working on Rassel for four years, and when I finished Bone, I still wasn't quite ready. I had a couple. I had some big pieces that just hadn't really fallen into place yet. So I agreed to do the Shazam book. That was like a, a placeholder for you in a sense? It, it was because I, I yeah. wasn't ready to do Rassel. But then I couldn't do Shazam after I agreed to do yeah. it because I got carpal tunnel. And I had to stop for – I couldn't draw for like eight months. So so now that you're kind of sort of on hiatus and when you were in hiatus then, what do you what do you do with your time? I mean, you're you know, you're kind of running your – your publishing company, and now you've got this show in Columbus that you yeah, can't really well, talk about. Well, I can talk about it a little bit. It's, it is. Uh, we have a lot of really wonderful art institutes, institutions in Columbus, and they're all super friendly to comics, mm-hmm. and more so than I really noticed in any other city. I mean, maybe New York, but yeah. What, what I see in Columbus is the art. The art museum was the first museum in the U.S. to show all of Crumb's Genesis, huh. every page in chronological yeah. order, around like five galleries. 
Columbus was we, the first. We to don't do just on the like real estate. Like you know, Mocha's not <laughs> Mocha doesn't have the wall space for that. Yeah, uh, yeah. So they, so the, so the art museum. Well, and the Wexter Center has done exhibits with me with yeah. Dan Klaus, and of course the Billy Ireland Cartoon Library Museum is probably the greatest collection of huh. original art in the world, and it's beautiful right on the right on the gateway of campus across the street from the Wexter Center. Um, there's the Thurber House. James Thurber oh, was well. born in Columbus. I did not know that. And his yeah. house is there. And they have a graphic novelist. Yeah. He was in an residence. illustrator in his own right. Yeah, he was yeah. a cartoonist. Yeah, plain and simple. Yeah, um, they have a graphic novelist in residence every year. That I'm on a committee, and we choose some young graphic novelist to come and stay in uh, his house. I mean, like the, sh- the gift the people run downstairs in a gift house close up and. Take down the velvet ropes and let it. Yeah. Let the cur- the cartoonist like sleep up in his bed. It's crazy, <laughs> and it's haunted too. If you know anything about Thurber, he <laughs> writes about his house being yeah. haunted. Anyway, it's probably haunted by Thurber now. What it is is like all these institutions around Columbus, a couple times a year, have a really, really impressive and important cartoonist yeah. in town or some kind of event related to comics. And I thought, well, if we could just get everybody yeah. to agree to do that... On the same weekend. In the same week. Yeah. We could create something that would be the equivalent of like a Sundance Film Festival for comics. And there's nothing like that yeah. in the United States. This is much more like a European... Uh, What's the distinction? Between what? Between but between your festival and like, you know, Mocha or SPX or any of the other comics. Well, shows. right now you've got... Um, well, right now they're just usually like a, a show with... Mm-hmm. Uh, where the, where they have exhibitors, yeah. or people, you know, people come in and sell their comics, or they come sure. and dress up in costumes. And what we're starting to see a little bit are some bookend events. You know, like you can mm-hmm. have a drink and draw mm-hmm. at, on Wednesday night, and all. This difference is this is more like European situation, like an Angoulême or Luca, yeah. where you've got uh, exhibits going on simultaneously, and people can come into town. And there will be events at each venue. So it just becomes, it literally becomes Comics Town USA that yes. week. Yeah. Yes. And uh, there, there's nothing else like it yeah. in the, anywhere. Yeah. The so closest that's a, thing is TCAP. Yeah. And I'm starting to see, like I said, these bookend events are growing out. And maybe there's going to be a lot more like this well, that's, as I mean, we go forward. And, and that's that's the thing that like I, I've always really loved about like SPX, for example, versus you know, Mocha is, um, you, know, you, you, get a, you get a show like this in New York City. Uh, when the show is over, people are just going to go off and you know be in New York City. SPX, I, I assume uh, you know Bethesda in some it's just, uh, in some sense more so than Columbus. Like there's just nothing to do there, and that's a net positive because everybody goes and hangs out together. Yes, you're exactly right. I mean, I mean, I I was in on that very early putting together of SPX, yeah. and in fact, when it was originally a one day show. We used to play softball, softball on yeah. Sunday, and we did that for years until the show just grew, and it just yeah. outused its usefulness. But what was my point in bringing that up is that it was a very social environment, and one, the reason uh, it kind of grew out of Dave Sim and I had this idea that we needed a show more for mm-hmm. the indie comics. We needed a place for everybody to get together where people can find us. Because uh, in those early days, in the early 90s, we could get a table in Artist Alley at a big show like San Diego. Yeah. But nobody's selling our comics. And we weren't allowed to sell comics back then. You were not allowed to go huh. into uh, Artist Alley and sell your comics. Really? Yeah, because that was for 
signings a, and it was an old it was the old model. It yeah. was for guys like Jack Kirby yeah. to go in and do drawings and sell the drawings to kids and stuff, or get kids could get their old comic book signed. Yeah, and the real money that was made for the convention was by selling tables to dealers, stalls to dealers who brought in comics, and so they didn't want Jack Kirby bringing mm-hmm. in all his old four comics. They <laughs> wanted to sell them for make some make some change, right? Yeah. So, yeah, we that was uh, we there were many fights that yeah. we went through, and one of them was to create a way. Well, we used to, I used to say I'm a publisher, and I insisted that San Diego let me get a publisher yeah. booth, and they did that for a year, and that pissed off all the big publishers. So then they created a small press area, but that was a good compromise, and that's I don't know if you've been to San Diego, yeah, yeah, but, of but that whole yeah. The, that really? all grew out of yeah. a big fight I had with San Diego. <laughs> you've, you've accomplished so much when, <laughs> with these, these many, fights that you've had over I've the had years. many fights over um, the years. But, but, you know, it's, it's funny, too, because, I mean, that's part of the thing about SPX is, and just these shows in general is you really literally have to find an excuse to get those people in the same room to get them to socialize because it's such yeah. an isolating thing. Well, back to SPX. So, yeah. that, so for that show, that is a net positive because... What you do is everybody goes to dinner together. Yeah. And everybody hangs, hangs out in the hotel room. And bar. And they yeah. all, a bunch of them all go to see karaoke. Yeah, yeah. It's a much more... The place is closed, by the way. I now. know. Yeah. I know. I went the first... I went one a year. Yeah. They kidnapped me. And I, I had so yeah, much you, fun. you liked it. I had fun. <laughs> Were you there? I think so. Oh, that was... That's one... I'd never seen that before where... Yeah. Uh, instead of one person just standing up and the, singing the and being embarrassed, screams. one person kind of picked a song and had the microphone, yeah. but everybody sang at the top of their yeah. lungs, and much beer and fun was yeah. had. So I want, I want to bring us, let's bring us full circle to what we were talking about at, at the beginning, and just about Columbus. And so we, we sort of talked about, you know, the late 70s, early 80s, um, and then a lot has happened over the last really like three years maybe five years but certainly i've been seeing the last the last few so like what, what the hell happened in in that meantime like why is all of this stuff happening around columbus yeah, well i do, it was some of it was serendipitous like the mm-hmm. fact that the columbus museum of art was had a show of crumbs artwork yeah why did they do that it's just somebody in there yeah. was a comic person yeah. and knew it was art and the same with uh, at the Wexner, they just they just got it. And of course, the Billy is well. That's kind of the center. That's the that's that's it's specifically about cartoons. Yeah. And of course, they attract good people. We got Jenny Robb that yeah. ran the San Francisco Cartoon Art Museum came and uh, stepped in yeah. to take over Lucy Caswell's place as she retired. And then we brought in... No, I say we. I, I'm speaking as a Columbusite. Sure. Not me. I didn't bring anybody in. Uh, they the brought in Caitlin yeah. McGurk from CCS up in uh, Vermont to come in and, you know, be their kind of yeah. media liaison, public face. And she's done a great job. You just... I, you know, I think for me, I think it was like the, the, the Bill Watterson thing. It was like, okay, something is happening here. Like That was you, big. You, you know, he's been in retirement. He's basically been, you know, the Thomas Pynchon of, of comics for a while. Yeah, the uh, Lee Harper. Yeah, 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 that might be closer. Yeah, he's, he's, he's not quite uh, Steve, Well, well you know, he's a, the, Lucy Caswell, who I just mentioned that retired, yeah. who was the woman who was originally handed the Milton Kniff papers and artwork. Mm-hmm. 
built the library, which eventually became called the Billy Ireland uh, Cartoon Library Museum. Billy Ireland, by the way, was Milton Kniff's mentor at the hmm. Columbus Dispatch, and he was a really good cartoonist. Had quite a bit, quite yeah, quite some chops. He was good. Uh, it did a lot for the city. How are we coming? Are we We're good. Together? We're good. Um, I just get paranoid. I have to check it once more. So it's it, 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 it's Lucy. Lucy's the one who I don't know inspires so much. She used to run a, a, a cartoon festival every three years, a triannual. OSU Cartoon Art Festival, mm-hmm. and Bill came to that twice. Bill Watterson and mm-hmm. I. I think Bill was impressed by Lucy and by her show and stuff. So, um, so yeah, it, it's not surprising to me that he would trust her and still want to be involved. Because I'm telling you, this library—have you been there? I haven't. I haven't it been is. To it is something very special, yeah. and I hope to we'll get more people to come out there. Yeah. I recently got Tom Spurgeon of the Commerce yes. Reporter to yeah. move to Columbus yeah. <laughs> to uh, run this show. Yeah, and it's the shows. The organizers of the show are myself, uh, Lucy Caswell, my wife Vijaya, and Tom Spurgeon, who's the executive director, and then. We've had to create. We created a board of local uh, mm-hmm. business people and cartoon peop- knowledgeable people, and we also have this uh, partnership with all these institutes I've been talking about, and one person from each one. Mm-hmm. And some of them know more about comics than I do. It's wonderful. I mean, it's 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 an amazing group. Uh, the first show will be this year, uh, 2015, October first, second, and third. Um, as we're speaking for this podcast, yeah. I told you I'm, I'm not quite ready to. I have a few I's to dot and T's to cross yeah. before I make any big announcements. And hopefully, by the time this is up, uh, yeah, more probably, information will yeah. be out. Yeah. Uh, and your listeners can look at um, the name of the show is Cartoon Crossroads Columbus, or CXC for short, and cartooncrossroadscolumbus.com or .org. Uh, We'll, hopefully by then, all yeah. the information will be there. And a lot of your involvement in the, uh, from, with this just came because like you you weren't able to draw comics for a while? No, that is how you started the question. Yeah. But I, mostly it's just that that is taking up so much of my time yeah. that I, I hardly even notice that yeah. I'm not drawing comics, although that's not quite true. Yeah. I am jonesing to get back to it. No, it actually started because Lucy uh, is was getting ready to retire and now is semi-retired. And Jenny Robb is... is taking over the library um, but they didn't think that the triannual uh, cartoon festival was something that they were going to continue mm-hmm. once Lucy retired uh, because it, it was it, its main focus was really you know newspaper strips and editorial yeah. cartoons and so uh, they were like you know I think we're going to just let this lapse the, the, unless I can think of something so I said well let me think about it for a couple of weeks and this I what I talked about earlier about, you know, all of these, the art museum puts on a show and we'll just co- coordinate it and maybe we could do this European style festival. I love going to Luca mm-hmm. in Italy every year. It's just such a great thing to go to the city and, and Columbus has a really tight arts district that starts with the university at one end and goes down mm-hmm. to the arts district at the other end with this huge gallery and, um, Little little indie shops and mom and pop uh, restaurants, really 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 good chef driven restaurants, local food movement, and I just think that in that triangle, 
with a plan, we could. It would be so much fun to go there and just eat and see things. And the Wexner will have an animation animation film festivals going on all weekend. There'll be original art exhibits. The some some poor soul will be trapped up in uh, Thurber's bedroom, and yeah. we can all go in. And look and make fun of her and scratch. And I just, I, you know, I, 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 I feel like this is like kind of indicative of, 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 of what you do and who you are, where it's sort of, you know, in, instead of like, you know, I'm going to go to move to New York, you figure out a way to just get people to come to you. And this is really, I'm right, I mean, this is kind of a theme of his, of his career, <laughs> you know, whether it's like, you know, it's it, it, again, like, you know, doing, doing, doing bone or, or you know starting your own publishing company um the artist alley thing that we mentioned before is just i'm going to keep doing things my way and eventually people will come around to me i'm going to i'm going to figure out a way to get spurgeon to move to my town and get all these cool people to come to columbus yeah and i'll tell you tom is i i i think he really likes it yeah um he was uh, I mean, he had to take a leap of faith because in order he, to he get... He was pretty isolated. He was in uh, Arizona or New Mexico? He was in New Mexico, New Mexico Silver yeah. City, New Mexico. Yeah. And uh, I think he was jonesing to get somewhere where there was a yeah. cartoon community. And uh, and Columbus was only one of the places he was thinking about. But then when I started talking to him about this, uh, I, I, he had to take a look. I, like I yeah. said, it was a leap of faith yeah. because we had to get organized before we could really know we were doing it. But he just looked at it and he saw the same kind of things you saw. Yeah. He saw Caitlin McGurk and her energy, Jenny Robb yeah. and the Billy, and what, and what was happening at the Wexner Center and all these great institutions. He saw it. He said, "This is a cartooning town, and there's a there's a good cartooning scene, a comic book indie scene there that's been going on for yeah. a while." So who knows if if it all just kind of works, then it works. Is the city? Is and as I'm saying that with my hand, I'm, yeah. I'm making stirring motions <laughs> in my big stew pot. And, and this is the city like psyched about this idea that you're kind of almost built like building an industry. I think so. Yeah, yeah. And um, we're gonna, you know, and all these all these institutions, like I said, a lot of them are actually more savvy than me when it comes to the really young yeah. artists that are going now. I mean, there was a time when I knew every single indie cartoonist and even the new ones who hadn't finished their book yet i knew who they were because it was just so yeah. much smaller back yeah. then but now i there's you know i'll be talking with you know the guy uh jeff sims at the uh art museum mm-hmm. and he's like talking about cartoonists that he wants to be in in the graphic novel yeah. residency program and i and i don't know who they are and i'm i'm kind of amazed by that oh I, and i want that guy yeah on on this board on this board doing this and knowing what's going on and caitlin yeah she's totally plugged in uh so you you're still a big you're still a big reader you still you still read oh yeah. comics yeah. oh yeah i yeah. still i'll um i oh, i read the new cartoonists that i find that i like and um and well right now my current favorites are like kate beaton and i mean she's not that new but yeah. she is new to yeah. most people yeah uh, and, and well, she's getting established. And well, you because you had to do the uh, you not had to do, but you did the um, uh, the best. Oh uh, yeah, and and so you were you best were like, American you best comics, American, and you were yeah. seeking out a lot of web comics through that. I was looking at web comics, and one of my one of my jobs on as the editor is to choose a artist yeah. to do the cover and the inside covers and all that kind of stuff. And uh, my f- number one choice for the cover was Kate. Yeah, I really wanted her to do it, and I hadn't I'd met her once briefly. But I just loved her comics. The timing, they're just so smart yeah. in every way. Yeah. And uh, she agreed to do it, and I was thrilled, and I loved her cover. 
Are um, you are you glad that you came up? Uh, you know that that you started drawing this comic in, in a time when there was nothing like that. I mean, was that was that a good thing? You know, would it would I mean, obviously, in some ways, it would be easier with eight million other people doing it. Be harder to get no- noticed. Yeah, certainly. I think I think they're both. I think they both have challenges. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's easier now to do one and. If you can, you can be taken seriously a lot yeah. more easy. You can get reviewed. You still need, you still need a lot of lucky breaks. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, back then, um, yeah, you could, you couldn't, you were not taken seriously by retailers, yeah. by the distributors, uh, literary journals, or or rags that were about the industry. Uh, you know, the comics journal, they reviewed. Their books, I mean, you know, they would Fan do their books, stuff, yeah. uh, but they and they did, yeah, only in the very beginning. They really quickly, they were actually the yeah. first ones to really jump on board, yeah. and quickly followed by the Comics Buyer's Guide. These are all industry journals. Most of most of don't exist anymore. Yeah. So on the one hand, I I I, I had a hard time getting them. Now they're not around, so getting them was kind of really crucial. I guess. Yeah. I had somewhere to focus to like how do I get my word out I've got to I've got to concentrate on trying to break into that getting interviewed or do you know doing getting a review in a in a book when 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 he started when he started publishing online was that was that just because you know it was, it was easier than than publishing a book initially do you, is it just are you know is it your kind of newfound appreciation for that medium um is it the feedback? Like, what 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 drove you to do something online? I think it was I think it was curiosity. I mean, mm. I, it was kind of the, it's the new thing. Yeah, I, and I believe that it is real. I yeah. never I always intended to, at some point, collect them all into a book. Yeah, uh, but I wanted to see what that experience was like. I mean, yeah. it was it's the new thing, and it, what what would it what would happen? Would uh, would a whole community blow up around it? Would uh, I, would it would be would it be more fun for me? Would it be? I don't know. I is it, do color? Is it, has it been? No, no, okay. no. I don't. <laughs> it's a one-time only experiment. Yeah, no. I it was an experiment. Yeah. I did. I'm not enjoying it. I don't really see really? the benefit to it yeah. at all. Uh, I the mean, benefit between like you know like Kate Beaton who's starting out is different than the benefit for somebody like you. That's probably true. Yeah. And I actually think I might be damaging my relationship with. Uh, Retailers mm. who are actually my paying customers, yeah. uh, because they're like, "Well, this is already for free online, yeah. so this isn't even a still real don't, comic." They book. still don't get it, do they? Uh, no, no, no. It really is different readers, yeah. and anybody who reads it online and likes it is still going to buy Absolutely. it. Absolutely, but it's. Um, I just I'm going to leave. The, I'm going to stop putting it up online when I come back. Really, in December, it's just going to be yeah. as a comic book. Yeah, uh, that was a, it. Was fine. I got those three chapters up there yeah. and they can stand and people if they like it because I, I have like the first three chapters of Bone up there and the first three yeah. chapters of Rassel also well if anybody in the world is going to buy the same book twice it's going to be your readers <laughs> who probably have five different versions of Bone yeah I get I get scolded with a smile quite often for being the George Lucas of comics. <laughs> He's got nothing on me, actually. I've actually repackaged and changed things more than he has. There you go, Jeff Smith. Recorded that one at BEA Book Expo of America here in New York City. Thanks so much to Jeff for taking the time to do that. Uh, thanks so much to Sheila at Scholastic for setting that up. 
What an absolute pleasure it was speaking with Jeff. It's been a number of years since we uh, sat down in front of a microphone, so nice to nice to catch up. Uh, he was at the show promoting a new edition of Bone, um, which, of course, is one of the greatest comics of all time. And if you, in the off chance that you've listened to this entire interview and have not yet read Bone, then uh, by all means, stop whatever it is you're doing and, and find the nearest bookstore and uh, pick up the... Uh, I, re- I highly re- recommend the giant all-in-one volume. It's a 1,300-page comic it's it's uh, an epic by by pretty much every measure but he's been very busy since then uh most recently has been uh, has been drawing tukey which is a, a web comic so you can check that out for free online there's also a couple of print versions of it and as mentioned uh several times during the interview is the uh, the artistic director of cxc which is a, a big show happening in columbus ohio beginning of october october 1st through 3rd lots of amazing guests i am very seriously considering uh, how I can possibly make my way out to Columbus. I don't know. Maybe, maybe Jeff will let me sleep on his couch. Uh, so if you're if you're in the area, even if you're not, if you're a big comics fan, uh, certainly highly recommend that. I just want to get after. I'm, I'm kind of after that conversation. You know, I spoke to uh, uh, to Tom Spurgeon at, uh, at at San Diego a week or so ago, and, and we, were, we were discussing this because he had just moved out there uh, fairly recently. And I don't know at this point. I'm, I'm pretty much. I'm very seriously considering leaving New York and just moving to to Columbus. It sounds like a, 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 a comics wonderland out there. Uh, thank you so much to Jeff for. for for taking the time to do that uh thanks uh thanks to to mark and everybody else at the boing boing podcast network thanks to brian as always for editing this show together uh if you liked what you heard you can send us an email to ryalcast at gmail.com follow us on tumblr that's ryalcast.tumblr.com that is the first and best place and far and away the most frequently updated spot uh, to get all of the latest episodes and news about RIYL. You can also check us out over on iTunes. If you like the show, people have been telling me that they like the show. If you like the show, then take a a second or two out of your day to to rate us over at iTunes. Uh, I think that's just about it for this week. Got a lot, a lot of shows lined up. Um, You know, as mentioned, just got back from San Diego Comic-Con. Uh, who did I speak to? Oh, so, so many people. We're gonna we're gonna be running uh, interviews. Some of these have, have run in bits and pieces online, but uh, we'll be running in their, their entirety on the show. Uh, interview with Congressman John Lewis. We're gonna uh, bundle that up with um, an interview with Nate Powell, who's just one of my all time uh, favorite independent cartoonists, uh, author of uh, Swallow Me Whole, which is just one, one of my favorite comic books of all time, and, and quite quite uh, possibly soon to be a major motion picture. Uh, spoke to Jaime Hernandez. Uh, spoke to, to Jeff O'Meara. Talked a little bit about uh, mainstream comics with him. Um, Jeffrey, Jeffrey Brown we spoke to. Um, also uh, a week before, uh, Kate Beaton uh, talked about her new kids book. I'll probably be bundling a couple of uh, those shorter ones together as well. Uh, so many. Uh, Leah Hayes had a really fantastic conversation with Leah, Leah Hayes. Uh, Anders Nilsson. Uh, Mark Bell. So many good shows coming up. Can't wait to can't wait for you guys to hear them all. So stick around. We will be back just about this time next week with another episode of R.A.Y.L. 